Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Coming up on NBA Today, the glow of the Lakers tourney title, it is starting to fade. But is the latest loss to the Knicks just a hangover, or is it a sign of something more? Hmm, we discuss. Plus, John Morant, he returns from his 25-game suspension tonight to face Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. But who is under more pressure the rest of the season, Ja or Zion? And NBA All-Star voting, it is officially open as of today. And speaking of, James Harden is making a real case to be a starter. But are we ready to buy stock in the Clippers just yet? NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today presented by ESPN Bet. We have a pair of senior writers here with us. The one and only Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorst, Chanae Agumake in the building. I'm Malika Andrews. I'm not sure we can say it was a banner night for the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers last night. I'm not sure how we're exactly classifying Whoa. this one. But I think it's safe to say the Lakers, they may have an in-season tournament hangover on their hands. You can see the banner. It went up to the Raptors. There were special guests in attendance to watch it happen, including Fluffy, whose real name is actually Brody, who is a golden retriever wearing an Austin Reeves jersey. He has one million followers on Instagram. To put in perspective, uh, th- that's Austin Reeves What following. are we doing with our lives? <laughs> he was courtside. This is what happens in L.A. Uh, and also, the Knicks. I mean, Jalen Brunson, he was feeling himself last night today. My goodness, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle. I mean, they were. this was a shootout late, and guess who had all the firepower? It was New York. It seemed like every time the Lakers made a push into the Knicks' lead here, Jalen Brunson just had an answer. And, and these were not easy buckets. These were tough buckets that the Knicks were able to make. But watch this on LeBron James. Speaking of tough buckets, I mean, that's his middle name. <laughs> Sizing up Julius <laughs> Randle, getting one high off the glass there. Then jump ball, AD out to LeBron. We He's love our passes. Year 21, yes, put on the goggles, AD. <laughs> At this point, four-point lead. Julius Randle, tough one in the court. You can't contest that much better. Come on. I love how he sort of settled into his shot, yep. his offense, and his aggression, but none better than Jalen Brunson doing that as well for his team. This tandem has been playing quietly very well five point lead here lebron tries to chip into it can't quite get it to go ad can't hold on to the rebound the knicks they would go on to win this one 114 10 line let's take a listen to lebron james weighing in after the loss spike lee he's loving it <laughs> how much of the one and three record six vegas is that combination of things and how much do you think is is just the come down from what you accomplished I mean, it could be a little bit of everything i don't know i mean have you seen Indiana's record since Vegas? <laughs> so the Lakers, they win a perfect 7-0 in the in-season tournament. That includes a championship game. I know, I know that doesn't count towards the regular season records, but it feels important to mention here because they also won by almost 20 points a game. That is in sharp contrast, right, to their 9-12 and record the rest of the season. It really feels like we're talking about two different versions of the Lakers here. Zach, I ask you, who are you putting more stock in? The team that we just saw dominate the in-season tournament or the Laker team that we've seen drop the last two games, including against the San Antonio Spurs? 
Yeah, this is becoming this season's version of the Warriors on the road versus the Warriors at home last year. <laughs> Just two totally different teams for reasons nobody can understand. But look, it's all the same team. I know we want to ascribe this reason to this reason to this game and this game. The Lakers are a good team, but not a great team. And good teams with offenses that go up and down and sputter sometimes like the Lakers, they're going to have stretches where they go one and three over four games, in part because two or three of those opponents were just on fire from three-point range. Not the Knicks last night. The Knicks were on fire from two-point range. Yeah. Jalen Brunson just, just scoring all over the Lakers. But look, <laughs> this is what the Lakers are. They probably, to some degree, rise up to the biggest moments. That bodes well for the playoffs if they get there. But until they can find an offense that kind of hums a little more consistently, they're going to have stretches like this. This is just who they are. Good, not great. Here's why it doesn't hum. Because they have a point guard in, in, in D'Lo, in D'Angelo Russell, who has, is a high-variance player. Yeah. And quite frankly, he recently has not been playing well. And it's not just about him. The Lakers start a lineup with Torian Green and, and Cam. Torian Prince. Cam, Torian Prince and Cam Reddish. Yep. Where they are defensive-based players who are shooters, but they don't always, always have good nights. So last night they had a bad shooting night. And so you are reliant really on D'Angelo to have a great game. And he has just not been playing well recently. All of his numbers are down. Now, look. If you've watched D'Lo throughout his career, you know that the, the January, we could see the exact opposite. He could get red hot. He could be great. But the Lakers have to rely on him so much because they have a lineup that re requires the point guard to do so much. Here's also why they don't hum, Brian, because they're 28th in three-point makes. Mm. 28th in three-point makes. Right. When you're playing against a Knicks team who could throw, I mean, like, it was just layups from the three-point line. They were one-on-one -on -one all-stars towards the end of that fourth quarter. When you're playing against a team like that, that's like I said earlier, it becomes a shootout. And they're not built, the Lakers, for shootouts. They're built for that paint, bruise, physical, LeBron James, downhill, 80, post-up type of basketball. We started, we heard at the beginning of the year, we want to shoot threes. We want 80 to shoot six. Like, they're not constructed successfully to do that. I think that the Lakers, they're judged by when it matters most. And to me, the in-season tournament told me a lot. That LeBron James is still LeBron James, and when we need AD to be that guy in a pressure... Like, this was the first ever in-season tournament. This was history. Yeah. LeBron James told you that straight to your face. And so I think I put a lot of stock in that, but until they they solve the issue of consistent point guard play, until they solve the issue of consistent three-point shooting, right. they're going to lose games that they could have won if they had a little bit better shooting I will on say the floor. This. There was a little bit of bad luck for the Lakers and Pacers, because after the in-season tournament where they had two unexpected road games in Vegas. They both went to multiple game road trips and they both struggled on those trips. Yep. So there's this hangover effect has lasted way longer. So it's a little bit unfortunate that the Lakers have to go all to Texas and now they play one game at home and now they go out on a mid a Midwestern yeah. trip and so all of a sudden like LeBron says it feels like we're on the road forever. Yes but it wasn't technically scheduled that way. It's, it's what your reward for getting the in-season tournament is. So some of it is just the unfortunate side effect. Yeah. More, of a, more than a hangover. Well, and when you look at the schedule, they were on the road so much in December, they're going to be home a good chunk of January when the calendar year flips. So we'll see if that's able to shake some things out here for the Lakers. But, Brian Windhorst, on this show, we also talk about winners. So we're going to spend some time right now on the New York Knicks because I, we've talked about it on the show before. I don't know, even with the win last night, Brian, 
if it feels like this is a team that is in that true contender in the East conversation, meaning the Eastern Conference Finals or further. So what do the Knicks need to do, do you think, to get to that upper echelon? They need to trade for a superstar player. I think in the interim, they do a very good job of working Tom Thibodeau's system. Now, they've yeah. had a setback with Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. He is out for two to three months. Although Hartenstein was doing his, his best <laughs> well, last night. Hartenstein, well, first off, their, their replacement, Jericho Sims, sprained his ankle on the opening tip-off. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> then the Knicks went to their full lefty squad where they were playing four left-handers at one time yep. with Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, 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 Barrett, Randall, and obviously Jalen Brunson. And they are keeping afloat. The other thing is if the mm-hmm. Knicks played the Lakers in a playoff series, I think the Knicks would easily win because the Knicks' defense is predicated on giving up the three and defending the paint, and the Lakers are a bad three-point shooting team. It's a bad matchup for the Lakers, and the Knicks – Despite not having their, their starting center, yeah. despite not having their fill-in center, yep. they dominated in the paint last night. Wait, they need because they, they, because And the Lakers are a great paint team. They still yep. dominate. And that's a confidence thing when you're not able to defend the perimeter. I mean, look what it, it's birthed of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And I love this idea that you're bringing about this matchup because you're right. Like, there are just some matchups that the Lakers might lose based off of their construct. But ab- about the Knicks overall, I mean – I see the NBA in this way. You're either underperforming, you are who you are, you're overperforming. And you have to be really happy with what the Knicks are showing as of late. They're overperforming in a way that you feel like this could be who they are. They do need another star to to be a contender. But if you're not a contender, you're auditioning to be one. Or you're auditioning to find a piece that, you know, makes you to that level. And so I put the Knicks as overperforming and with like one more star player, they are auditioning to get that guy to become real contender. Right. So who is that star in your mind, Zach? First of all, it can't be a lefty. Too many lefties. <laughs> I don't trust lefties. You can't have that many My lefties. Lefty. On be the nice. same team. It gets a little shady. <laughs> Too shady. Too many lefties. Look, the, the complicating thing for the Knicks is like, on the one hand, when you're searching for top 10 or 15 players, Beggars can't be choosers. You can't just wait all the time for the perfect guy. Because of six months ago, three months ago, it was like, maybe it'll be Giannis. Maybe it'll be Embiid. And now those situations yeah. seem to have calmed down. On the other hand, Jalen Brunson as a scoring, score-first, undersized guard is already right on the verge of that top 15 all-NBA conversation. Do you want to add another score-first, semi-undersized, at least if he has to defend twos, guard like say Donovan Mitchell how additive is that to your team given you already have a guy in Jalen Brunson averaging 25 a game on almost 50 percent shooting in, in in I think the Knicks are really good mm. I'm more bullish on the Knicks than I think you guys are can they win two rounds in the playoffs they probably need some luck to do that some health luck yeah some matchup luck but they're tough as hell and when they get Mitchell Robinson back their defense and their physicality allows them to kind of ride out the ups and downs of shooting. There's yep. a consistency and a force to them that I think is hard to play against. And I think that's okay. I think they can afford to be patient with this team hmm. and not rush to go all in for a superstar who maybe doesn't add so much atop what Jalen Brunson is already giving you. And that's totally fair. I think it was just in the moments last night when Jalen Brunson was doubled and he would kick it out. How many of those guys did you trust to hit that shot? Obviously, Julius Randle has been playing ever since his ankle got healthy. He wasn't healthy in the postseason last year. It took him a little bit of time this year. Like, those are the questions that you have around they the They finished fifth last year. They're in fifth this year. Yep. They're not cracking that top three without major talent influx. That's the Knicks. Well, we're going to talk about some of that talent influx that could possibly be coming a little bit later in the show. Coming up on 
NBA today, Anthony Edwards. He is the Wolves out to the league's best start. Zach Lowe, he has his eye on something that you make, might make you believe in Minnesota. Plus, Harden and the Clippers, they're finally clicking. But the question is, is it enough to make them the favorites in the West? Cheney, are we ready? Are we jumping in on the Clippers? Uh, maybe. Oh. We're going to answer that in a little bit. And John Moran, he returns to the court tonight against Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. We have new details on what to expect in his first game back. You're watching NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. All right, let's go coast to coast with some action around the association last night. We're going to start in Denver where the Nuggets, they dominated the Mavs. I love this little entrance, though. Luka finished with 38 points, his 11th straight 30-point game. On the other end, it was the Nuggets bench. They scored 62 points the most this season. Brian, the Nuggets, still the clear-cut favorites in the West? Yes, got to check the, in. Yes, but the Clippers are making me think. And boy, wouldn't it be amazing Ooh. if Luka and Jokic were on the same team? Sometimes? That's exactly what we saw when we saw them walking in. They, okay, they, they fell in love with each other. Think that's what they were talking about? Maybe we, maybe we can get that audio. All right, yeah. moving on to the team up a half game on the Nuggets in the West. The Thunder took down the Grizzlies, 116-97. SGA, 30 points in three quarters. Chet Holmgren finished with seven blocks on his way to becoming the first rookie with seven blocks in consecutive games since Tim Duncan in 98. Janae, the ceiling for this young Thunders team? Is- they, they can win multiple rounds in the playoffs. Oh. I love what they're doing. Shea, first team, All-NBA. I mean, Chet, rookie of the year. They've turned the corner. And last but certainly not least, the West-leading Timberwolves. They were down by as many as 17 in this one. Anthony Edwards, he led the way with 32 points, including this turnaround jumper to give the Wolves a three-point lead with under 30 seconds to play. Zach, what did you take away from Ant's play down the stretch in this one? Ant is Ant. Ant did what he does down the stretch. But there was something else that made me say, holy bleep, in the way that I sometimes say, holy bleep. And it was Carl Anthony Towns. Not long ago, Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, it didn't end well. You know Cat had to relish these plays down the stretch. Watch this big boy rebound right over Jimmy Butler's head. Boom. Big boy. And then lob to Rudy Gobert. Look at the point. Look at the cat point. He's excited. That had to feel cathartic for Carl Anthony Towns after the way their relationship and their time together ended for him to come up big when Jimmy was guarding him as the primary assignment down the stretch and you know Jimmy Butler was talking and pushing and shoving and trying to get in Cat's head and Cat would not have it maybe a, a big moment there 
yeah. for Mr. Towns. I mean, it could have. Been. I'm gonna have to check with Kendrick Perkins to to see whether or not that 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 that's Daddy Ball. That, oh yeah, that falls under. That I thought category. you were gonna have but him I say cathartic. I, I, <laughs> not gonna do that. To um, speaking of the West standings, do you know you know what today is? Yeah, what? the NBA All Star voting it begins oh. today. So we're still yes. about two months out, but it's never too early, right, to look at who we think is gonna end up starting. As a reminder, the All Star game it is back to the original format this season. That is East versus West. So we asked our esteemed panelist on our call this morning who we would have starting, and both Cheney, Brian, Zach all had similar lineups. You can see here. Take a long look. I know there's a lot of information here. The only difference here, Brian Windhorst, you have Kawhi over Kevin Durant that Zach and Cheney had. So, so make your case. Why, yeah. why should it be Kawhi? My case is for the last 11 games, we have seen Kawhi Leonard basically at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. He is shooting the ball brilliantly. His legs have returned. He is you know, scoring inside, scoring outside, shooting the three ball very well. He is absolutely playing MVP level basketball. I know that Durant may have a better case for the entire yeah. the entire season. The Clippers are playing awesome. They've won eight in a row. And if more than anything else, I'm not like arguing against Durant there because I think he's been terrific. Sure. Uh, but I am saying pay attention to the LA Clippers. Yeah. If you do not pay attention to the LA Clippers, it's a mistake. They obviously have got to stay healthy. But I will say this, Ty Lue decided at the start of this season, he was going, they, they were tired of their protecting their star players. Yes, the player participation policy made a factor, but Kawhi was exempt from that because he had off-season surgery. They were having two-a-days out in Hawaii in training camp. Kawhi has played every game, every back-to-back, and he has never looked healthier in a Clippers uniform. Yeah. And now, James Harden has gotten in game shape and James Harden is turning back the clock and the Clippers are starting to be very very impressive Kawhi is leading it and I just want to draw attention to it well he has been a a cyborg of efficiency over the last six games Kawhi Leonard has Um, there's one more thing I wanted to point out all all three of you guys have Luca and SGA representing the West in the backcourt the name that isn't on any of your lists, if you look here, is Stephen Curry, who has never come off the bench in eight All-Star games he's played. So is is he just not deserving of starting the season, Zach? You only get two spots, so who are you taking off? Right. If you're asking me to put Steph on, Steph's incredible. The Warriors are under 500. They're being outscored with him on the floor. That's not Steph's fault. It just is. And when you're picking between three guys this good, you got to split hairs somewhere. I would say make the case that it should be one of those other two coming off the bench. And given the records of their teams, I don't think you can. How about yeah. Ann Edwards? Ann Edwards might be my pick to be the third guard. And it's not against Steph either. Yeah, and I think what really helps the voting, especially at this point, quarter season, is the surprise effect. People are surprised that mm, SGA is consistently doing this. I mean, people in OKC are not, but just to the national narrative, his consistency, consistency in dropping 30 and getting them to be a team that beats the teams that beat teams, to me is impressive. Then also Luca, I mean, dealing with a situation right. where they fizzled out of the last year, not play in playoffs, whatever that was, and then now, I mean, without Kyrie, even as of late, averaging 32-9-8, and eight, yep. only other players to do that, I said it before on this show, himself last year and Michael Jordan. And <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's like, so I think it's hard to, I think the surprises have worked in a good way for those players. Right. And for Steph, the surprises have been bad for the Golden State Warriors. And you're, you're 100% correct, but at the end of the day, we know that even even with all those numbers, <laughs> fan voting is still going to get in. Steph Curry is going to be a starter <laughs> in the All-Star game he at the won't. end of the day. So who's not going to be? SGA? Luca? Who, who's not going to well, be? Well, I would say SGA has got the tallest mountain to climb, you know, in the public sphere. But if you've watched the Thunder, and you whether you want it or not, they're coming into your TV screen because they're going to be in big games soon. 
Shea Gillis Alexander has been absolutely, unquestionably one of the best players in this league. He was first team All-NBA last yep. year. He led the Canadians to a bronze medal, their first medal since like the 60s this year. Over the U.S. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the World Cup. And he is leading the Thunder to contention status. He is yeah. barging his way in there, whether the fans want to recognize it yet or not. Well, today is only the first day of All-Star voting. Obviously, this is going to continue for the next several months, and we will keep you updated. But, Brian, you did such a good job of selling us on Kawhi and the Los Angeles Clippers. I feel like we need to dive Thank into it a little bit more because Harden's <laughs> heroics, they have the Clippers cruising, right? But is it enough? Is it time? Should we finally say Are we say doing it? this again? Are they title contenders? Do you believe, today? We discuss coming up. Plus, Harden's former teammate Joel Embiid has led the Sixers to an 18-8 record so far. Is it possible that he is even better since Harden left Philadelphia and Phoenix's big three reunion? It is stalled once again. Is the sun setting on Katie Booker and Beal's ability to create chemistry here? More NBA Today after the break. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. It was 50 days ago. We were all trying to go to sleep, and we got a late-night Woj Bob saying that James Harden had been dealt to L.A., and then none of us could sleep for the rest of the night. It took a minute, but the Clippers, man, they are starting to click here. We're going to pick this one up. James Harden in the fourth quarter. The Clippers up by 19 over the Pacers in this one. Watch. He's already scored five consecutive points. James Harden pulls up for three. All right, that's nice. Eight consecutive points. James Harden for three again. Heat check. All right. Now he's up to 11 consecutive points. After a free throw, 12. James Harden once again over Buddy Heald. Going to work. Step back. I mean, that's patented. The bench loves this one. Look at this. One more look here. James Harden. Ooh, that's pretty. Russell Westbrook celebrating. What is it? The, the, the cooking? <laughs> Bones yeah. Island with the... <laughs> And then once again, at this point, this is just silly. James Harden and is fouled. I mean, he's making it rain and doing snow angels for good measure. <laughs> and one son. You know when Kawhi Leonard is loving it that, that this You've is important. You've done well. You have won. <laughs> James Harden letting everybody know. One more look at the bench here just because this is so great. The Clippers roll <laughs> 151 to 127. Now, the Clippers are 13-3 and three since losing those first five games that Harden played with Harden doubling his assist production in this time. And I've asked you this question on the show before, but as L.A.'s win streak keeps growing, I need to get a status update. Chanae, are you ready 
to believe in the Clippers as title contenders. Look, we love the game of basketball. We're Hockey. here for beautiful basketball. We're here for redemption stories. And I think, Malika, you and I are going to do it. We're doing it. We're back on the Clippers. We're back in, baby. We believe they're contenders. We feel like this is their shot. They can make it multiple rounds. Mm -hmm. If this is what we continue to see. I mean, their big three dropped 90. James Harden, heavily criticized, but now paying the dividends of all of those movements and motions. I mean, not only has he been great facilitating, but now we're getting these vintage games. Did you know that the last time he's made this many threes, was it eight? Yep. 2019, when he was wearing my favorite jersey, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> they've got the coach. They've got the rotation. Yep. Should I say the quiet thing I love? It looks like they've got health. <laughs> I'm going to lean in and just say this is the time that I'm going in with the Clippers again. And it's okay. If I get my heart broken, that's what happens. That's that life. Zach, you know? are you going in? Are you, are you ready? I've been hurt before. <laughs> I've been hurt. I'm not sure I'm ready to love again after all the pain <laughs> that I've had caused by the Clippers. Okay? But we I'll understand. tell you this right now. Fifth, fifth in net rating in, in overall for the whole season. Fifth. Second since that five-game losing streak that started the Harden era. They are humming, and those numbers say, yes, they are contenders. Now, here's the caveat. Number one, they finally beat Denver for the first time in what feels like 25 years. <laughs> Denver is still levitating above everyone else as the most complete team in the West and the favorite to come out of the conference. But if you ask the Clippers, and frankly, if you ask probably anyone really paying attention to the West, Who's the second best team in terms of playoff equity, proven playoff accomplishments, or who's the only other team that the Clippers should at least fear as a playoff opponent? And that's Denver. Other than that, it's pretty open, and the Clippers would ju be justified puffing out their chest and saying, why can't we claim that number two spot? But it's still the number two spot, not the number one spot. And the mm. other caveat is adversity's coming. We don't know what form that adversity is going to take, a slump, an injury, yep. something. That's going to be the ultimate test for James Harden and this team. How do they bounce back when the honeymoon ends and adversity hits them in the face? Because it's coming. But this team is really good, and they're humming, and it's really Denver and everybody else right now, and they're right at the top of everybody else. they got a lot going for them. they got a great coach. They have a great supporting cast. They have a bunch of bathrooms in their new arena. <laughs> and urinals. The reason... <laughs> That they are a serious contender right now is because of Kawhi. Yep. Kawhi is playing like the guy we saw in 2019. He's playing like the guy we saw in 2014. This is MVP finals level Kawhi. If this stays this way, it's all on the table. Mm -hmm. Period. I don't know if it will. I don't have a glass ball. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know when Kawhi is playing like this, when his legs have this much life, yep. his interior and outside scoring is this effective, when his confidence is this strong, when he's got that look on his face and that light in his eyes, anything is possible. And that's what's happening now. At the end of the day, it all comes down to Kawhi's health. But right now, I mean, we believe, despite the Clippers' recent success, though, the 76ers, they still have a better record than L.A. since the Harden trade, right? So a lot of that can be chopped up to the stellar play from Joel Embiid. He has been just excellent. They were in action last night against the Chicago Bulls. This is the third quarter. Embiid, a little between the legs and then the step back jumper what we're able to see from him don't take it for granted i mean we've got a seven footer with the handle with not just moves but counter moves but also can't be stopped at the rim <laughs> respect 
Noel Embiid chipping into the oh, Bulls like, lead here. On. Throws it down, exclamation mark. Take another look at that. Embiid, he had 40 points, 14 rebounds in this one. Um, he was everywhere. But in the fourth quarter, the Sixers are down two, 10 seconds to go. Tyrese Maxey, Joel, I think he was probably trying to go for the contact there. Lost the handle a little bit. Couldn't quite get it to go. The Bulls, they actually hang on to win this one, 108 104, but Embiid, he continued that dominant stretch where he's gone for at least 30 points and 10 boards in 11 straight games. That's tied with Shaq in 2000-2001 and Moses Malone in 81-82 for the longest streaks since the merger. Embiid, he's done his work early, right? He scored 89% of his points this season before the fourth quarter. That is the highest percentage in a player's first 23 games in the play-by-play era. And Embiid now has more points than minutes played this season, which is big. We always are talking about his health. Only one qualified player has ever done that for a full season. It was Wilt Chamberlain in 61-62, and he scored over 50 points per game in 48 and a half minutes. Now, Joel Embiid, he spoke to our NBA reporter Tim Bontemps to talk about how the Sixers have taken a step forward here. Take a listen. You can't win you know, with the ball sticking and playing ISO basketball. Uh, And, you know, you got to have movement. You got to have, obviously, for that to happen, you got to have the right players uh, to play with that type of system. Uh, And, you know, and the ball's just got to move. And you can see it. So much fun. It's not just about scoring. Like, you passing the ball, you know, guys are making shots. The ball is moving. Everybody's happy. It's fun. You can't win with the ball sticking playing ISO basketball. Now, we can talk about whether or not we think that's a shot maybe at one of his former teammates, but we won't for now. Instead, I'll ask you this, Zach Lowe. Is this Joel's best chance at winning a title in your mind? That's hard to say at this point because last year they were up 3-2 in the conference semifinals and probably would have been favored in the next round. 2019, Mm -hmm. they go to Game 7 with the Raptors. You have the Kawhi shot. That's the Jimmy Butler team. Those two teams were were the two best teams of the Joel Embiid era. This team has a chance to get there because this is the best we've ever seen Joel Embiid play. What he's doing should frankly be illegal. They shouldn't even let him play (laughs) against the Wizards and the Pistons and the Hornets because it's not fair and it's mean to those teams. And Maxi is right there with him as a second star. But there are nights, like last night against Chicago, where you feel that need for a third guy to really step up when teams are pressuring Maxi, taking the ball out of his hands. Can Tobias Harris be that guy? Did he need well, to go out and it. find some other rotation guy? But this is a really, really good team, and they're absolutely a threat to get out of wait the East it. or at least get somewhere where the Sixers have not been the conference finals. This is the conversation about the Sixers. We know Embiid's awesome. We know Tyrese Maxey is maybe the most improved player. They've got four tradable first-round picks. They've got over $100 million in expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. They have none of the other teams in the sort of championship contender tier, in, depending on whether you want to put Oklahoma City in that or not, who can match them in terms of bidding. Um, and they have a general manager, president, and Daryl Morey, who is an expert in midseason trades. Yep. So what you want to see from Philly is action in February. And then you can evaluate where they are. Right now, they're a cut below Boston. 
But let's see what happens after Daryl Morey gets done working on this roster with all that he's got to work with after the Harden trade. And one thing I love about that idea is that Joel Embiid has created a cheat code for himself. It's no longer, oh, who's the problem? It's like, I'm the solution here, and it's applying pressure on everyone. He is a three-level scorer. He is load-managing himself by scoring a lot of his points in the first three quarters of a game. He is being a professional. He's bringing his players along the way. He is telling you exactly what he – this is, like, not the Joel Embiid we knew when he first came into the league. Like, no more jokes. It's about business. He's right. standing on his business. Sorry, Perk. And the consequence of that is now the pressure is off of him. The pressure is on everyone around him to level up their game, to show that they belong in, yeah. this, in this organization, and also to make sure that, hey, I stayed through this process. Mm-hmm. Now it's on you. I've done everything that you've asked of me. And one thing is nuanced. Zach just said something important. He said they need a third player. Well, when they went into the Harden situation, we heard them they need a replacement for Harden. They need a number two. Maxie's been so good that they don't have to look for number two anymore. They need to look for that number three. Maxie is their bona fide number two. No one's doubting that. It's easier to get a three. In fact, they've got so much to trade, I think they can probably make two separate deals and add two pieces, yeah. if not more, to this roster. Now, just saying it is different from executing it, but they are not only a contender, they have the most upward mobility of all the contenders within this season. Particularly because this was supposed to be a gap year, right, for the 76ers. Everyone would have understood if in the wake of the James Harden trade, they needed a little bit of time here to reconfigure and figure out what their identity was. Because of Tyrese Maxey, they haven't necessarily had to take that gap year. And now because of all those assets, they are poised to really make a next step here, particularly when you mentioned the Celtics. But we're not really ready to put anybody else firmly above the 76ers, particularly if they make those moves in the Eastern Conference. We're going to get to see the 76ers on Christmas Day, along with a whole bunch of teams. Look, their presence under the tree. Five star-studded games on ESPN and ABC. NBA Countdown is going to kick off our coverage. Coming up on NBA Today, that's right, John Morant, his return is set for tonight in New Orleans, but who has more pressure on their shoulders for the rest of the season, Ja or Zion? Don't go anywhere. NBA Today will be back after this. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? to vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Had it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. John Morant is slated to make his return for the Grizzlies tonight after his 25-game suspension. The Grizzlies, they went 6-19 and without their all-star guard and are tied for the second-worst record in the Western Conference. But LeBron James, he posted this on social media today. 12, welcome back. Go be great again as we say hello to our reporter covering the Memphis Grizzlies for us, Tim McMahon, who is currently in New Orleans ahead of Jaw's return. What is the plan, Tim, for John Morant in his first game back here? Malika, Coach Taylor Jenkins has said he expects Ja Morant to be full go. And look, the Grizzlies absolutely need him to be. This is not the similar situation as when he came back from suspension last year. Tyus Jones is not around mm. to have kept the ship steady. They've been starting a two-way player, Jacob Gilliard, at point guard. Marcus Smart still out with a sprained foot. Derrick Rose out with a hamstring strain. So they understand the situation they're in. They are second to last in the Western Conference, not the number two seed like they were 
last year. They know that they need Ja to hit the ground running. He said he doesn't want to try to force a historic game right back, but they understand that the, the hole that they're in, not thinking big picture, but knowing they better start digging right away. A full go. That is good news for the Memphis Grizzlies having John Morant back at that capacity. Tim McMahon, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here on NBA Today. So Jaws return, right? It comes against Zion Williamson. He actually is listed as questionable for this game with an illness. But Williamson, remember, he was the player selected ahead of Morant in that 2019 draft. Morant and the Grizzlies, they have an uphill battle, as Tim just detailed in all of this. Meanwhile... We're looking at the Pelicans, and all signs are pointing to if Zion can stay healthy, this is a team that really could make a playoff push. So, Zach Lowe, I ask you, who is under more pressure the rest of the season? Is it Zion or is it Ja? Weirdly, given everything Morant is coming back from, I think it's Zion, and I think it has to do with where their teams are. The Grizzlies are 6-19. and 19. They're seven games out of the play-in. Like, any kind of push they make, is gravy at this point. Right. Ja just needs to sort of prove that he can stay on the floor, stay with the team, and just be there and be the player he was before all this stuff started to happen. The Pelicans, they've got something to play for. They have expectations. Their fans have expectations, and they should. This team is really good, and Zion already fell flat in his most high-profile game ever in the in-season tournament against the Lakers and has already experienced what falling flat on that kind of stage feels like when the expectations are where they are. So I'm going Zion. This is a, a simple answer to a complex question, which is Ja has proven on the court everything that you'd ever want out of him. It's off the court that's the issue for him. Zion has not proven on the court that he is the player that he was when he was drafted. The pressure on the court is on Zion. We've seen the best version already of the Grizzlies. I know that that same team doesn't exist anymore, but we haven't seen the best version of the Pelicans and also the best version of Zion. Yeah. As we mentioned in those big games, that's where things are made. That's where legend is made. That's where John made his name. Now we're waiting Zion to take that next step. Right, and the closest we've gotten to that, to your point, is through the new year last year when we saw Zion healthy and they were sitting near the top of the Western Conference. Can they stay there long term? That entirely depends on Zion's health, to your point. All right, still to come on NBA Today, let's take a trip to the Eastern Conference because injuries in Cleveland, they are potentially putting Donovan Mitchell's future in the spotlight here? Is it time for the Cavs to consider dealing their top scorer? That's next on NBA Today. This is the tough part. There are just too many great topics to cover in the NBA, so we're going to have to make some cuts. It's time for chop it or drop it. I'm going to give you all a topic. If you want to chop it, we discuss. If you say drop it, we're moving on. Get it? Got it? Good. Let's start. And we're going to start with Donovan Mitchell. Top 10 in scoring this season, but the Cavs have hit some injury luck. Most recently, right, it's Evan Mobley, it's Darius Garland. So, Brian, chop it or drop it. Should Cleveland be taking some trade calls here on Donovan Mitchell? Chop it. I'm going to make three points real quick. Number one, they are not seizing any injuries to Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. They should be back after the trade deadline. Number two, the Cavs have had five players in their history make All-NBA in 50-plus years. He's one of them. You don't just give a player up like that. And number three, if you trade Donovan Mitchell when you don't control your future drafts, you can't do a rebuild. So I think the Cavs stick with it, see how things play out over the next six weeks before they make any big decisions. You can take a phone call, but you're not making any on Donovan Mitchell. So after the trade deadline, Zach, do they still have time? I mean, the injuries that Brian is saying everyone's coming back, do they still have time to sort of see what they have here? 
Well, if they wait till after the trade deadline, absolutely. They have no other choice, and it will just depend on whether they can stay afloat between now and then. But look, this is not a discussion the Cavaliers want to have right now, to Brian's point. They're excited about the team they were last year. They're a little puzzled that they haven't been able to get in rhythm this season, and they're just not ready to contemplate that reality quite yet. Let's see how they can do in the absence of Garland and Mobley for the next month. All right, let's move on to the Suns, who've had their big three together for a total of 24 minutes all season. Bradley Beal, he's going to miss at least two more weeks with an ankle injury. That takes us into 2024 before we even have a chance to see them whole. So, Zach Lowe, chop it or drop it. Will the Suns have enough time to build chemistry before the postseason here? Yeah, we're going to chop, 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 chop it because (laughs) I feel like we're reliving the Brooklyn Nets era again and also reliving the conversation we had after the trade deadline last season about the Suns where they just couldn't get everyone healthy at the same time. Look, we're 26 games in. That's more games than minutes that these three have played together. Mm. Beal's out at least another couple more weeks. We're already going to get to the halfway point of the season with essentially zero time played between these guys. And by the way, it's not as if Bradley Beal comes back and everyone's magically healthy the rest of the year. They need time, time, time. It's getting worrisome. But they do have time, time, time to build chemistry. Now, do they have time to win a championship this year? That's where it goes back to, is it a one-year or two-year process? And to me, I've always thought it was a two-year process. It's hard to bring stars together, make it all work, especially when one of the stars is coming off of like an injury situation. I know you put all your money and all your chips on. I know. I'm only <laughs> laughing because Matt Ishbia wouldn't say it's. No, he said but, it's championship. But given now. the information we have today, they have time to build chemistry. But I don't know if they have time to win a championship and figure everything out. That's next year. I watched the Heat do this in 2010. It took 20 games to even get their feet wet. It took a full yep. year for them to, to to get really settled, and that's the truth. Someone else who I'm sure time right now just feels like a flat circle to them is the Pistons. Our hearts go out to you Pistons fans. Uh, They lost to the Hawks last night. That's despite 43 points from Cade Cunningham. That marks their 24th straight loss. They're two losses away from tying the worst single season losing streak in NBA history. So let's take a look at who they have coming up here. Good news, right? Four of their next five games come against teams that are 500 or below. That starts with Thursday's game against the Jazz. Cheney, I mean, wh- wh- which is the one that the streak we're, breaks on? We're talking about time. Detroit Pistons, the time is now. The Jazz are coming off of a back-to-back. With all due respect, that's a winnable game for most teams in the NBA. Yep. The time is now to also, if you want to stop the bleeding, you're going to have to put your whole heart into that one. Um It's been strange watching this type of streak manifest. It's mind-boggling when you have a lot of potential picks. New coach, you felt like, oh, there's hope starting the season that they're going to turn the corner. And then now you're saying that about the Magic. You're saying that about the Thunder. You're saying that about other teams. Even, like, at times the Spurs, not the Pistons. They got to do it on Thursday. They got to do it. They got to do it. They have to. And I think Brian's like, I don't know. This te- this, yeah, this team has too much talent to lose this many games. Exactly. Badly. It actually doesn't make any sense why they've lost this many games. It doesn't. Zach, last word on this. Uh, the record's at stake. 30 straight losses is in play with a three. And 9-73 and 73 is at the end of this. And you just don't want to be that team that goes down in history as tying or breaking that record. Yeah. So whether it's the Jazz game or the Nets games or the Raptors games, better start winning some games because we're getting into some pretty and fraught territory here in Detroit tanking. basketball. That's the bad news. They are really not tanking. 
All right. They're, they're trying. <laughs> Let's go from the Pistons to the Wizards because we have them on our air on Friday night. It's only one NBA game on the ESPN schedule. Steph and the Warriors host Kyle Kuzma and the Wizards. Well, we'll see how that one goes. Jordan Pools, right? His first game back in the Bay Area. Coverage, it begins at 10 o'clock Spicy. Eastern. Spicy. <laughs> Spicy. All right. Oh, sell it. Next on NBA Day. Hey, I'm going to be tuned into that one. Speaking of the dubs, we have a 2022 finals rematch tonight. Celtics Warriors. Sinead tells us what Boston's number two defense needs to do to stop Steph. That's in 60 seconds. We're getting ready. Let's do it. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. All right, tonight we have a rematch of the 2022 NBA Finals. Jason Tatum and the Celtics taking on Steph and the Warriors. So here to preview this game is Shanae Ogumike. What are you watching in this one, sis? I'm watching so much. This is a backcourt battle in the Bay, and it's crazy to think that so much has happened in the two years since these two teams matched up in the Finals. Now, Steph, he's been great this year. But all good things must come to an end because Steph's NBA record three-point streak game ended at 268. But have no fear, he's still number one on the all-time leaderboard, but he's going up against the number two Celtics-ranked defense, which has given up only 30 points to just six players this year, which is tied for the best in the league in that category. So let's look at this strength-on-strength Golden State offense versus the Celtics defense, and this is what they do to perimeter shooters. They have great communication. Donovan Mitchell relocates, but watch this right here. Their two best perimeter defenders communicate, and they're able to get back and contest that shot. That's elite level defense and communication, but this is Steph Curry we're talking about. This time his matchup is Victor Webbingyama. What has he done to this league? I mean, look, the IQ, uh, maybe I can't go up on this eight-foot extension right here, wingspan, two guys closing in. This is a window that will not be available versus the Celtics, but still, even over Victor or Wembenyama. Look at that. He has a point. He's still that guy. So looking into this matchup, it's strength on strength. We'll see if Steph and Clay, who by the way, Clay has been averaging 27 yep. and 55% shooting on three yeah. the last three games. We'll see if their firepower can go up against the Celtics defense. It's been a long time since Steph Curry didn't make a three in a game, as you detailed. But back in November of 2016, he went 0 for 10 on threes. And then his next game was against the Pelicans. He made a career high 13 threes. He scored 47 points. 46, yeah. Yeah. 46 points in that one. Uh, what are you expecting in this one, Brian? Okay, so Klay Thompson has shown some flashes in the last few games of breaking out. They, with Draymond out, they need it. They need you, Clay. Could this be the beginning of maybe a real hot run for him? This was about the time last year where he began taking flight. Zach, I, I liked what Shanae highlighted there with the Celtics defense, particularly when you're looking at their all-defensive backcourt. What are you expecting from them? Celtics are airtight defensively. They can switch. They can play any scheme you want. But look, three straight good offensive games for the Warriors without Draymond Green, who's their quarterback, who's the guy who's running all the handoffs and orchestrating all the screens. That's interesting to me. I want to see how they can keep doing it against this defense. What are they doing that's really working other than having Steph Curry on their team and Clay getting hot? Because if they can keep their offense rolling, they got a chance to tread water and maybe get back into the place in the stage where they want to get. Well, they've made some lineup changes. Brandon Pajemski has been in there, and he does some things that they didn't have before. It's opening up some things, and 
Uh, you know, I think they absolutely need Draymond back, but if they can keep their head above water when he's out, it could potentially lead to some positive momentum. Yeah, and the Warriors, it feels like they've gone back to their original playbook. They're developing their younger players. They're also leaning on that, like, ball movement. And yeah. I'm impressed. Like, Clay has shot the ball better. Steph is going to be Steph. Now the question is, will they be able to fill the gaps? Because teams are scouting them without Draymond. We've talked in the past, Brian, about with Draymond, without Draymond, whether or not this is a team that has to look within, has to kind of improve from inward, or if they're going to be looking to potentially add talent to this roster. Has there been any movement one way or the other? I don't think that they can seriously enter the trade market. I think that they've got a roster that's cost $400 million for a reason. All these players are generally well, very well paid. Yeah. They have to be active participants in their own rescue. It's a Pat Riley line. When he first said it, when I heard it a decade ago, I rolled my eyes. Now I think it makes a lot of sense, like a lot of things Riley <laughs> says, and I think that should be posted on the wall of the Warriors locker room uh, because that's exactly what they need to do. So that's the Golden State side of things. Zach Lowe, you have been big proponents of us talking a little bit more about the Boston Celtics. Who are you watching most closely in this one on the Celtics side? I'm always watching not any one person collectively. Can they get to the rim more? Rim, rim, rim. When they fall in love with the hero ball jump shots, they're vulnerable. Rim. <laughs> and that should be, and that's what should be posted on the Celtics wall. Right? That's been hurt. Yeah, that's been hurt. Exactly. Believe in love again, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna do it for us here on NBA Today. Enjoy the games tonight, and we will see you tomorrow.